0: Chapter Twenty of the Straighten Street Affair by William Le This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Weiss. Chapter the Twentieth, Mademoiselle Jacquillo. I returned to my rather barely furnished room at the Hotel de Midi, which overlooked the Place outside the station in the suburb across the river, and sank into a chair to reflect. The concierge, a lad who wore the concierge's hat the concierge, being off-duty at his evening meal, informed me that my friend had not returned. He seemed an alert lad of that type so frequently seen in continental hotels. Signor Rivero had disappeared. For an hour I waited, seated alone in my room, reflecting deeply. My sole desire and fixed object was to solve the enigma of Gabriel Tennyson's unfortunate mental state, and to bring to justice those unscrupulous blackguards responsible for it as i sat there her pale beautiful face arose before me-the wonderful countenance of the girl who had in such a strange and indescribable manner taken possession of my soul to analyze my feelings towards her was impossible i put to myself the query why i loved her but i was utterly unable to answer it i loved her most passionately and devotedly that was all. The tragedy of the situation was that I loved one who, alas, could not return my affection as a girl with her mental balance unaffected could do. Her poor unbalanced brain could never allow her to understand me or to return my love. I was tired after the long sleepless journey from Spain, and I suppose I must have dozed in my chair. I awoke suddenly, hearing a tap upon the door and an elderly chambermaid entered with a telegram. I tore it open and found it had been dispatched from Castel-Sarazan, and was from Rivero, saying, Absence unavoidable. Hope to be back by midnight. Where is Castel-Sarazan? I inquired of the woman. It is about sixteen kilometers from here, monsieur, replied the buxom woman in the strong accent of Toulouse. It is on the road to Ocheon, and the railway junction for beaumont de la just a small town. They say that the name is a corruption of Castel-sur-Azine. At least my mother used to tell me so. What, I wondered, had taken the head of the Madrid detective force out there. He must be following some fresh clue. So I went forth across the bridge to a big café opposite the theatre, and there idled till nearly midnight when I returned eagerly to meet my friend. He entered my room just before one o'clock in the morning, tired and dusty for he appeared to have walked a long distance i had some cognac and a siphon of seltzer awaiting him and sinking exhausted into a chair he took a long and refreshing drink before he spoke well he said with a sigh you have been wondering why i disappeared so mysteriously eh the fact is i was compelled on making inquiry of a shoemaker who has a little shop near charles rabel's house i learned that the man for whom we are searching lived in a flat on the first floor of the house kept by a widow named curio but he was frequently absent in england or in italy only for short spells was he there for he was a commercial traveller representing a lyon firm of silk weavers as we were speaking the shoemaker pointed to a rather smart young woman who was at that moment leaving the house and said look that is mademoiselle jacquillot the fiancée of monsieur charles she might tell you where he is. I do not think he is at home to-day. I saw him four days ago and spoke to him as he passed, but I believe he has left again. I thanked him and at once followed Mademoiselle, hence I had no time to tell you, for I had no idea where she was going. I saw that by following Rabel's fiancée I might gain some useful knowledge. She walked to the station and took a ticket for Castel Saracen. I did the same we had half an hour to wait but i spent it patiently and when we left i travelled alone with her in the same compartment soon i managed to get into conversation with her whereupon i mentioned that i had a friend monsieur charles rabel in montauban and that we had met in paris he had once shown me her photograph and i believed i was not mistaken that she was mademoiselle jacquilot at first she was surprised but i told her a very plausible story whereupon she explained that Charles had gone to Toulouse on business three days before, but that he was returning at noon to-morrow. She herself lived in Castel Saracen. "'But do you anticipate that we shall discover in Charles Rebelle the notorious Despujol? I inquired eagerly. Rivero raised his shoulders and elevated his black eyebrows, saying, from facts I gathered from Mademoiselle concerning him, I certainly think that we are really upon his track. It hardly seems possible, but we must remain in patience till tomorrow. Then, if we find our surmise correct, we must act with the greatest caution if we are to watch him to Nimes, where he is to meet your mysterious friend, the man whose name you refuse to reveal. When they meet you will at once recognize him, I said. I may be mistaken, I added, but I do not anticipate that I am. If all goes well, then you will arrest the notorious Despujols i only wish that the fellow will fall into my hands replied my companion if so then revelations will be made that will startle europe and incidentally gain you promotion in the service eh i laughed he nodded and admitted i hope so signor garfield i sincerely hope so he replied and we parted for the night next day i woke early and sought my friend we idled about till nearly noon when we went together to the railway station to watch the arrival of the train from Toulouse. A number of people were about, for the dusty lumbering express from Bordeaux to Marseille had at that moment arrived, and considerable bustle ensued in consequence. While we stood watching the crowd, Signor Rivero suddenly touched my arm and whispered, Look yonder, the girl in dark blue. That is Mademoiselle Jacquillot. She must not see me i wonder why she is here if not to warn him of the inquiries made concerning him by a stranger i glanced in the direction he had indicated and saw a tall slim rather good-looking girl sauntering idly in our direction her attention had for the moment been diverted by an advertisement upon the wall quick cried my friend let us slip back here and next moment we had repassed the barrier back into the booking office "'If she sees me her suspicions will be aroused, if they are not already aroused,' said my companion. "'The fact that she is here gives rise to the question whether she is really so innocent as she pretends. She may know of her lover's escapades, and suspects me of having followed her out to her home. "'If she does suspect, then she is cleverer than you anticipated,' I remarked. "'Yes, but in any case we had better act independently.' you return to the platform for she has never seen you you will remain well concealed and watch them meet while i shall be at the exit to identify him if you find that you cannot get near enough of him without courting observation as he spoke the bell was clanging and there came the roar of the engine entering the big echoing station i slipped back instantly upon the platform and standing at a point against the corner of the bookstand where i hoped to escape unobserved i turned my head away as the train came along then when it drew up i held my breath anxiously as i turned around the girl in navy blue was not far from me searching along the train until of a sudden she espied a man in a dark overcoat and dark green velour hat who had just alighted carrying in his hand a small leather case his countenance was ruddy and he had a small black moustache my heart fell. The man was a stranger to me. The countenance was not that of the man whom I had surprised in my bedroom at Madrid. He bent and greeted her affectionately, but next moment it was apparent that she was explaining something which caused his countenance to grow serious. He put one or two swift questions to her, then halting suddenly, he glanced at his watch. I strove to get sufficiently near to look well into his face, but I feared recognition would he pass out of the exit where the famous spanish detective was awaiting him rivero knew Despujol by photographs and indeed had been present when he had been convicted on the last occasion a few years before mademoiselle's friend hesitated for some moments and then accosting a porter asked a question the man pointed to a train on the opposite platform was it possible that what mademoiselle had told him had scared him it seemed so for with a sudden resolve, instead of walking to the exit, he entered the booking office and bought another ticket. In an instant I dashed to the exit where the Spaniard was waiting, and in a few breathless words told him of the man's intention. To my amazement Signor Rivero heard me unmoved. "'I was awaiting you,' he said. "'The man you have been watching is not Despujol at all. Despujol, whom I recognized, passed out a few moments ago and took a cab to his house in the Rue de la Lande. "'Then you have seen him?' I gasped. "'Yes, it is Rodriguez d'Espougeot, without a doubt, Monsieur Garfield. You have not been mistaken, and we must certainly thank you for putting us upon the track of this dangerous assassin.' "'Then, after all, my surmise is correct, and he will go on Monday to meet his paymaster in Nimes. I said. "'The plot against me failed. Probably a second attempt is to be made.' we shall be careful not to be seen until he travels to Nimes," laughed rivero well satisfied at the progress he had made but i wonder who is the red-faced man whom mademoiselle has met i remarked she has evidently warned him of some danger if that's so we ought to see him my friend exclaimed let us go together on to the platform and watch so long as mademoiselle does not recognize me we are safe With the reassuring knowledge that the man who was being sought for by the whole police of Europe had gone to his unsuspicious abode in the Rue de la Lande, we returned to the far platform where a train stood waiting to leave. It was the rapide for Paris by way of Bourges. The man was already in a third-class compartment, and as he stood with his head out of the window Mademoiselle was chatting with him. Truly his stay in Montauban had not been long. The instant Rivero caught sight of the fellow's face, he exclaimed, Holy Madonna! Why it is the Mateo Sans, the motor bandit? We have been searching everywhere for him. He shot and killed the carabineer near Malaga a month ago. Next second he had left me, and a few moments later hurried back. He had bought a ticket. Sans does not know me. As soon as we have left the station and are away from Mademoiselle, I shall be all right. Remain here. I will wire you, and in any case we shall be together in Nimes on Monday. But be careful not to be seen by Despujol. He is a wary bird, remember. Then, unseen by Mademoiselle, he entered a first-class compartment of the train, just as the signal was given to start. The train moved off and I was left alone. Surely much had happened in those few exciting moments. But why had Mademoiselle Jacques Willot warned her friend the motor-bandit? If she had warned him because of Romero's inquiries concerning Despujol, then she could also warn the latter. Again it was curious that she met Sanz and did not meet Despujol. Further, it was a strange fact that the pair of Spanish criminals had not traveled together unless there was some reason for it. Perhaps there was. I watched Mademoiselle as she passed out of the station to a little restaurant where she had a frugal meal. Then she returned and took a ticket back to her home in Castel Saracen. Rivero now had his hands full not only had he identified in the respectable commercial traveller charles Robel the notorious assassin despujol but he had also quite accidentally come across sans the motor bandit who of late had terrorized the south of spain and whose daring depredations were upon everyone's lips mademoiselle seemed to be a friend of both men i returned to my hotel close by and ate my degenoux alone my position was a very unenviable one, for I feared to go over into the town lest I should come face to face with the man who had so cunningly made an attempt upon me as the hireling of Oswald de Gex. But my thoughts were ever of my beloved, the girl who was the victim of some foul plot into which I too had been drawn, a mystery which I was devoting my whole life to solve. At five o'clock that evening I received a telegram from Harry in Madrid telling me that all was quiet and our friend meaning de gex never went out to this i replied in a cryptic way that our suspicions had been verified and that the person of whom we were in search of we had discovered we were only now waiting for the appointment to be kept at the hotel de luxembourg and nemes next day passed uneventfully in order to kill time i took train to the quaint little town of mossad an ancient little place on the tarn about twenty-five kilometers distant, and there spent the hours wandering about the countryside which is so famed for its grapes in autumn. I did not return to Montauban till after seven, and while I sat at dinner the waiter handed me another telegram. It was from Rivero, and having been sent from Lyon read, All well, just returning to Montauban. Later I busied myself with timetables and and found that he would be due to arrive about six o'clock on the following morning. Therefore I possessed myself in patience, and I was still in bed when in the morning he entered my room. Well, he exclaimed in French as he sank wearily into a chair, I've had a swift and weary journey. Sanz has been alarmed by the girl. Why, I cannot tell. Did she go to see Despujol? No, I replied. She didn't see him, but went straight home you have not ventured near despujol i hope no i have hardly ventured into the town good well we shall make a double arrest he went on when the train arrived at the junction at montlacon at midnight Sans evidently fearing lest he was followed slipped out of the train and into another on the opposite side of the platform it is a favourite dodge of elusive persons of his type so unseen by him i also joined the train and we travelled across to lyons there he went to a house in the rue chevre close to the river and when i had him safely there i went to the bureau of police and asked that observation should be kept upon him until such time that we in spain should demand his arrest and extradition the lyons police know me very well so two agents were at once detailed for that duty and i immediately made my way back here it seems that sanz is also wanted in france for a motor-car exploit outside orleans Therefore, our discovery is indeed a lucky one. Will Sans be arrested? I asked. Yes, I have already reported by telegram to Senor Andrade in Madrid. He will at once ask them in Paris to order the arrest. And Despujol, we have now to await his journey to demes to keep this mysterious appointment with your friend. Not my friend, I remarked. Rather with my bitterest enemy. End of chapter Twenty. Recording by Tom Weiss tom's